Hey everybody, this is Chelsea Schaefer and Caitlin Gustav, and this is The Score, the official podcast of the sport of team roping. This is the Team Roping Journal's semi-weekly podcast, highlighting the team roping industry's top talents and influencers through stories that inspire and connect ropers. We sit down with ropers from the professional ranks, as well as industry icons and producers to delve into topics that make the team roping world tick. This is season two. It will feature even deeper interviews, storytelling, and issue-based coverage, and we are so excited you're here. Hey everybody, welcome to The Score. This is the second episode of the second season of The Score podcast. So exciting. Caitlin, are you enjoying these podcasts? I am. I really am. Caitlin's our producer. You don't know that. She's not just the girl that says a few things at the beginning of every episode. She's our producer. I do. I edit. I take a long time and make sure these podcasts sound good for you to listen. She takes out my ums. I say a lot of (laughs) ums. She tells me I don't really like that. But um, she, she does a heck of a job at that. So this episode, Caitlin's already got to listen to it. This episode is a different one because we don't just talk about team roping. And we, don't, we, we get a chance to talk to Cesar De La Cruz, who is our guest, a nine-time NFR qualifier. He roped with all the greats in his career. Um, he's so far from done. This year he's roping with Garrett Rogers, a two-time NFR header. Caesar is a horseman. He is a kid from South Tucson who grew up not in the way that most ropers who go on to make the NFR at an early age do. Kind of came from the school of hard knocks. He made it the hard way, and I'm so appreciative of him sharing that story with us. I said it on the short score earlier in the week, but when guys speak their truth, it gives people maybe that come from the backgrounds that that they also come from uh, a little bit more, a little bit more ability to understand the path to success from mm-hmm. from a really different background. Um, because there's been a lot of obstacles in, in people's paths, and I know Derek was the same way. If you go back to season one and listen to our episode with Derek Begay, Derek talks about how he grew up and, and how he overcame obstacles. And Caesar in this episode, talks about the doors that opened for him because of perseverance, because of, of choices, because of people that came into his life. I love the way that different people intertwined with Caesar's life to um, kind of make, a, make an impact on him. I, I know that he, he talks, he'll talk about the people that are important and, and that kind of changed his, the course for him. And I, anyway, I, I hope you all enjoy this episode as much as I did because it was pretty, pretty impactful. Hi, Caesar. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going today? <laughs> oh, it's a little snowy here in very snowy, beautiful Denver, Colorado, in a blizzard. But I'm so glad that you want to talk about this. We were just talking about it before we started recording. That there aren't a ton of guys that I can trust to be as open as I can trust you to be. So yeah, I've seen a lot of stuff. Just kind of, especially the younger generation of people and people that are into this kind of stuff. They hear stories of real life stuff I think it's kind of hits, yeah. ho- hits home to some definitely so I wanted to start this morning with kind of I want you I had the gay do this too actually like tell me what it was like in your house growing up and and where give me a description of your neighborhood when you were four or five six you know your boy's age yeah. and what life was like well when I was a little kid um growing up when I was you know four five and six 
grew up in a trailer trailer house, but um, we lived on four and a half acres uh, right next to my grandparents. And uh, my mom and dad worked a lot, and my grandparents pretty much raised us. My mother and father had some a few issues, you know, and um, they ended up getting divorced and uh, kind of hung out with my grandparents a lot. Like, my grandpa's my hero. He's like a, a John Wayne figure to me. So, so anything he said kind of went, you know. So when my parents got divorced, I um, chose to kind of, you know, my grandpa was my dad. Mm-hmm. So I even call him dad. So, mm-hmm. But um, he, he, he helped me out a lot. And the, re- the reason I'm a cowboy and stuff and kind of want to rope and, and, and pursue the, the cowboy lifestyle was, was because of him. You know, when he he went to World War Two and he come home and he was a, he was a cowboy. As he was raised on a ranch and he actually got his turtle card and and was a pro pro rodeo member back then. Mm-hmm. It was turtle days, but and so he would tell me stories of, of you know riding a bunch of broncs and training horses with his dad and just having a good time. You know, and the funny thing is, after the war and he got a job. He was an electrician and and you know worked real hard and um, he bought this nice little four and a half acres in South Tucson and there wasn't nothing really around us and eventually you know there was an airport we live right next to an airport and then um, there was a bar next door across the street where trailer park trailer park um, pretty big trailer park and then um, apartment complex kind of all around us a few homes right right next to where our arena was at but it was pretty pretty much the town grew grew around us and um, a lot of violence you know um, the, the cowboy lifestyle was was deep in my roots and wanted to be like I said like my grandpa but when I would go to school I went to a big 5A school and there was a lot of a lot of drugs a lot of gangs um, I got to see a lot of stuff growing up that way um, that was more where I grew up the most. I had to grow up fast in high school because, uh, you know, there was bullies, there was all kinds of stuff. But uh, I got a funny story about a. Well, I mean, it's not a funny story, but I, I look back on it now and it's, it's just crazy. I remember going to school one day and um, I missed quite a bit of school because I was a rodeo kid, you know. So I uh, got a lot of help from the smart kids and. The, the smart kids were my buddies, you know, I hung out with them. I had kind of a wide variety of friends. I hung out with the jocks, I hung out with everybody. But the the nerds, I kind of had a soft spot for the nerds because I needed those guys to get me through school. Maybe that's why we're friends. <laughs> so so <clears throat> this Eric kid, he was a good kid, but he, his parents didn't have a whole lot of money. and He grew up in a trailer park, you know, and kind of, kind of you know, his, his growing up wasn't wasn't the best. And... Um, and he got picked on a lot because he was a little 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 guy. And um, I remember going to school one day, and you know they they had security guards and they had cops patrolling the campus all the time. Um, like there was, like I said, a lot of gang activity. And um, so Eric was was getting bullied a lot. And he was tired of getting bullied. And so one day I see him, but he really doesn't say hi to me. He just kind of walks right by me. And I'm kind of on my way to class, so I'm kind of bebopping behind him just a little bit, about 10 feet, 15 feet behind him. And one of the guys that was bullying him, um, they kind of had a few words, and 
Eric stabbed him in the neck with a makeshift shank, kind of out of a pencil that he made. Stabbed him in the neck, and pretty chaotic. There was a lot of quite a bit of blood, screaming, stuff like that. Just missed the jugular vein just by a little bit, or else he would have killed the guy, the kid. Mm-hmm. But uh, Eric took off, run off. Everybody, like I said, it was pretty chaotic. Um, I went to my my first classroom was Spanish class, and um, while I was in there, the SWAT team was called, and these guys are all geared up, semi-automatic weapons. You know, they they're all suited up. They're looking for Eric, and um, couldn't find him. And then the school, they had the helicopters flying over the school. They ended up finding him off campus a little bit. I didn't see see Eric after that. You know, I think he got got in quite a bit of trouble. You know, it's attempted mm-hmm. murder. You know, but um, he was only 16, so I don't know what ended up happening to him. And the the kid that was bullying him, I don't know what ended up happening to him either. He, I think he transferred schools right away. But so juxtaposing that against a lot of, you know, now you know you you were 18, and then you were with a lot of the guys that were grew up pretty privileged trying to rodeo how did how was that experience um you know that that experience was was eye-opener you know just because you know it's it's the access to whatever a guy needs to 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 get up and down the road you know and that was something that growing up that I never really had and still it's kind of it's not a luxury for me at all um you know I think growing up the way I did helped me out a lot though because out here if you have any sort of kind of give up kind of attitude or anything like that or if you're going to give up ship pretty easy you're not going to make it very far out here um the the it can be roses one day and it'll be dust the next that's just kind of how this this sport is you know in every event not just team roping and just uh, it's just the cowboy way but the, the rigs nowadays that go up and down the road the access that people have to these horses and stuff the game's changing the game's evolving and so um i think it's for the better yeah i mean the times are faster like um we're at denver today and uh for example the, there's three eights winning yeah. the second round there's four ones winning the first round there's nine flat on on two just already and still short goes. that's that's pretty pretty um pretty fast it's just getting faster and faster every year so I've had to really search hard. I found some really cool heel horses. One, one heel horse in particular is one that I raised, and I really like him a lot. His name is Muddy Waters, and I got him as a baby, as a yearling, and um, had some of my best buddies, Coulter Todd, and uh, a few of my buddies, real good buddies, ride him. And, you know, it's, it's just been awesome to, to, to see him grow mm-hmm. and become a, a, you know, he's top-notch rodeo horse. And then Lucky Bucky's my... I call him Lucky because he draws good cattle. It's, uh, I know it sounds crazy, but you come short go time, plan on drawing a good steer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of the rodeos, if you do, do draw a good, say a tough one-on-one maybe, you're going to come back on another one that you can win the day money on. So i um, very fortunate to get him. He loves his job, and it, and it makes it makes it fun to rope on him. But Now you brought up Coulter Todd, and then we'll kind of circle back to growing up and we've talked about this we wrote about this in the magazine too when did Coulter come into your life and how did that obviously that he was kind of along with your grandpa as a big influence tell me about that you know I've had 
several opportunities to to go in the wrong path you know being where I come from it's not my family my I have a great family but just the town itself is you know there's a lot of bad bad people a lot of bad stuff going on it's it's not so bad no more but back when I was growing up it was bad and so going to Coulter's house I could stay I was uh, 30 miles of dirt road Mm -hmm. up in the mountains cowboying so I've always had something with horses I've always you know like they're in my dreams you know running horses and I I don't know it's just just something about a horse just gets to me but um, getting to be with Coulter and breaking horses and, and, and riding horses and just, I've never been around anybody that liked to rope as much mm-hmm. as I did. And um, he liked to rope every bit as much, maybe even more, you know, mm-hmm. like I really liked to rope. And so every chance I got, because there was so much trouble to be had, um, I, I, in school, the kids at school were always wanting me to get in trouble and kind of find, you know, ways to get in trouble. Um, I'd go to Coulter's, and he I felt like he was a real genuine friend mm-hmm. and looking out for me and trying to, um, you know, for the better, uh, make make me a better person. So I really enjoyed going to his place and hanging out with him. Yeah. Um, best friend, uh, lifelong best friend for sure. And, you know, my grandpa really liked Coulter a lot too, so I think that's kind of, man, just my, my grandfather is, you know, he he was a World War Two veteran. The stuff that he he had to endure, and and still, it was his dream for his kids and his grandkids to to be pro rodeo cowboys. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just just glad that I'm kind of making him happy. Live, you know, yeah. I, I see him all the time. He smiles, and gives you a big hug. Ninety three years old, and still still ropes. And, he does. And, uh, he can't really ride no more. He gets mm-hmm. pretty sore, but. The, the last year he roped, he was 90 years old. It was 90. They had a big birthday party for him, and he roped. And yeah, so just just want to be like my grandpa, you know. What kind of horseman was he? What um, what were some of his theories on horses? I st- it still sticks with me too. He says, you know, if, if I he all, he see me getting after my horse or or, or upsell my horse, he says you got to be smarter than the horse, son. And I said, <laughs> <laughs> and I says, what do you mean by that? Well, if your horse is, is not doing what you want right then, you need to spend more time with him. And he was all about spending time with your horse. Mm-hmm. If you're having a problem in the rope and pin, you need to take him outside and ride him and spend more time, you know, the, the basic stuff. Mm-hmm. Getting him calm and relaxed. And, you know, he, he didn't really know a whole lot about getting horses like uh, raining broke and all that stuff. But his horses were broke. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they knew the pattern. They, they could you know spin like his, his style was more of a vaquero style you know from he learned from his his dad mm-hmm. so i come from a long long lineage of of great southern arizona cowboys yeah how long has your family been in southern arizona as far as i know from as far as you know from the start i know we're, we're mexican but we're all mexican but we sure. um right there on, on the borders kind of where we uh two back Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you know where that's. That's just kind of north of the border, probably 40 miles or mm-hmm. so. so um, so it's just right there on the border. Yeah, and but, they used to have ropings there a long time ago, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The two back ropings? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, some wild, good ropings. They score them out there. Big, big, strong cattle. And, you know, the cowboys were, you know, cowboy country out there. Mm-hmm. Big, big hills, a lot of mountains, big, thick mesquite trees. And the cows get pretty wild out there. So 
there's quite a few cowboys out there. Yeah, I actually um, wrote a story about Arizona history, and Champ told me about Tubac, and I spelled it wrong. And the Arizona folks, no, they weren't happy with me. No, I, I, I no. definitely messed up Tubac. No. I apologize to all of Arizona. Now I definitely know. I'm glad you brought it up yeah. um, so I can make that clear. That yeah. I, I understand and appreciate the, the heritage there. Yeah, the, that's... Uh, I, I sometimes wish they, they would go back to that place because um, I don't know if you've seen the old videos and stuff. The arena was huge mm -hmm. and the steers were massive. <laughs> and, and the guys back then, you know, they're just old school, but they really wrote well too. Mm -hmm. And um, man, I, I'm caught in between the old school and the new school. Mm -hmm. You know, back, back when I was a kid and growing up, I thought it was pretty cool because I was one of the only kids that had a beeper going to school. <laughs> You know, so um, growing up and then getting getting a cell phone in college, I thought that was really really cool. And you know, did this, you college rodeo? Yep, I went to CAC. Um, I qualified for the college finals um, one year, and then the next year I quit and started my my rodeo career. Is that when you met Arena when she was kicking everybody's butt at the college rodeos? Uh, I met Arena when we were little bitty kids. Really? Like we were just growing up, you know, because Matt and I were, were buddies, okay. and and we roped quite a bit. Matt was always just a little bit better than than i was mm -hmm. you know like he won trucks and he was mm -hmm. he was just phenomenal when when he was younger he still ropes well too but mm -hmm. he made the finals when he was 18 years old you mm -hmm. know like he was he's phenomenal so so i was always kind of looking up to him kind of every chance i got going to practicing and you know arena's beautiful you know so <laughs> so getting to rope with her and kind of like got to be really good friends and so you roped with her before you dated her oh yeah like, yeah? yeah i don't yeah. know this we, history we that's awesome actually going to montana and stuff in the summertime um i i, I met a buddy from from idaho and mm -hmm. i ended up going rodeo out there and jackpotting with arena and and bobby mm -hmm. those are my 15 partners and uh we 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 killed them all the time i either won with bobby or arena so I made a good living jackpot out there. And for and, those uh, who don't know, we're talking Bobby Tryon. Now Bobby Bob, Tryon. Bobby Tryon. Bobby Tryon, yes. And people don't know, she's got a lot of game. Yeah. She can really rope, too. I've seen her ride do before. Yeah, she makes, yeah. Yes. Back back when she had the black horse with the, you know, Thumper, mm -hmm. the great head horse, that horse is a real deal. She won so much on that horse. That was her horse, mm -hmm. you know, when she was younger. And um, Arena had a sharp little head horse, a little sorrow horse that could really, really fly, really run. And... Uh, Actually, we want some open ropings together. Mm -hmm. That's why they they raised her to a seven. Uh, she was a seven at one point. Really? Because they're, they're, they justified it. It's because we were, um, we won some open ropings in Montana and um, won the won incentives and stuff too. Mm -hmm. You know, there was 15 incentive back then. So, yeah, we, we we did real well and just she's my buddy. You know, we kind of were friends and you know and ended up falling in love with her and we got three beautiful boys now and been married for 10 years and your wife not, is an angel yeah she's awesome she's, she's awesome <laughs> she really is you know the, the boys are pretty wild and they're hard hard on their mom but they're their mama's boys for sure they they love her and you know when they get older it's gonna be funny how how they're gonna really follow and kind of make sure they're keeping mama happy which is good that's awesome. I'm, I'm a mama's boy so i'm perfectly mm -hmm. fine with that that's awesome is has she been roping at all lately no, she, we just bought a new place in Casa Grande. You did? Um, yep. We got a beautiful place out there, five acres and a beautiful house, but um, there's no nothing on it. So we're building an arena, we're building stalls, we're building everything. So um, I didn't know it was going to take that long. You know, I thought, shoot, when I got back home from rodeo, no big deal. We're just going to put some pipe up. Are you up. welding it yourself? No, I got got some buddies helping me, but, you know, it, it, 
that gets expensive. So yeah. I thought I'm just going to do it myself and realize that's why them guys charge so much is because <laughs> to do a good job it takes it takes a lot a lot of time yeah and, Tori and, and I are coming down next month I'll have him bring a truck don't bring the whole rig you guys got a spot over there to hang out <laughs> sounds good but, but yeah it's just uh I'm, I'm looking forward to the future and um it's a good area uh, I live a little, little closer to the rope in action in Arizona mm-hmm. so in the winter time the Arizona's so many ropers out there it's mm-hmm. unbelievable I've it's just crazy to go to Wickenburg and, um, you know, um, Scottsdale and Cave Creek and Yuma Castle Grand and see all the horse trailers and people pulling, you know, and, and mm-hmm. there's not just even just team ruppers. There's, you know, rainers, cutters, there's uh, there's barrel racers. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of wintertime spot to be, I guess, in the winter, winter times of Arizona. Hey guys, this episode is brought to you by U.S. Rider Caitlin. How does my husband handle it when I run a truck out of fuel? Not very well. Not very well. And when I do run our truck out of fuel on (laughs) I-25, I remind him, "Hen, it's no big deal. We have U.S. Rider. And he's not nearly as impressed with that as I am. But either way, U.S. Rider does come and save us on the side of the highway. My husband has run out of fuel. You've heard that commercial before. He's done it. Uh, but but there are a lot of wives out there who may run out of fuel, may blow a tire. There's a lot of guys out there that may run out of fuel, may blow a tire, may have any level of accident that you might think of. Um, and U.S. Rider is so handy. It is the roadside assistance program of the equine industry. They have been our sponsor since the beginning of the SCORE podcast, and we so appreciate them. And because of that, you've got a new promo code for 2019 so that you can get two free months of U.S. Rider service if you mention promo code TRJ19. That is promo code TRJ19. All you've got to do is go to usrider.org. When you sign up, you log in um, to join or renew, you enter in TRJ19. That's your promo code. You get two free months of towing, repairs, battery assistance, anything you need, flat tires, lockout service, fuel, oil, or water delivery, and you get enrolled in the Winter Circle Advantage benefits and discounts with that code TRJ19. You get two free months of it. USRider.org. Now, you're talking about buying this new place, Mm -hmm. and we talked about horses earlier. I feel like there's a couple things I want to ask you about this. You've had so many great horses who have helped you build this life and this career that you have that, that rodeo's given you so far from South Tucson as far as the the demographics and everything are way different than, than they were in South Tucson um, but at the same time you've had to sell and part with a lot of these great horses to get by time yeah. to time the horse that you want to Omaha on I remember mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. really bald mm-hmm. that bald mm-hmm. face horse you told me this is the best horse you've ever had. You love him, and then he was gone, not long after. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a brutal part of rodeoing. That was the start of my downfall. Um, out here, if you don't have one of the best heel horses, you know the headers will overlook you. It don't matter how good you rope. That that means nothing. It's it's what you're riding. Same thing with the headers. You know, horses mean so much. I, I got. A great opportunity to sell the horse to um, Jason Ritchie, and he's a great family out there in um, Midland, Texas, mm-hmm. and great people, and they really love the horse. And um, 
I didn't have the best finals in 2014, and I just feel like I, um, I I didn't I didn't make the best I didn't make the best decision. I've, I've sold some really good heel horses, and that one I kind of regret because I didn't I didn't replace him with something that was equally as good. I didn't you know I need to find a great one. I found a good one, but he she wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, that that horse was great, and um, horses mean so much. They're they're they're. I used to think horses were machines. I was pretty hard on them, and I felt like I'm learning more about their personalities and trying to trying to learn how to work with them and 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 not 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 against them. You know, if there's they're doing something wrong, it's 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 something smaller than you think, mm-hmm. and no need to get upset with them. Mostly, I'm learning how and spend more time riding them and and. Um, you know, putting a ring snaffle in them and just riding them around, cruising them around, letting them relax. Because when you get your put your bit on, your tie down on, you're getting ready to rope. It's I mean, it's kind of a stressful time for them. They're, they're they know it's it's like a football player, right? You know, they they're a, a, a um, wide receiver. He knows he's got to got to run hard and get he's going to get hit mm-hmm. every time. And if he don't love it, that they're going to kind of about middle of the year they're going to kind of fall apart on you and kind of get sore and not work as good for you. You got to find a. Um, I don't take this term lightly either because I got a lot of respect for the military. You need a warrior out here for a horse, something that's going to be able to take, you know, long travel, the hard hits, you know, and 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 still keep going. Um, the horse has to love it as much as you do, or else you're going to have trouble out here. It's um, it's getting tougher and tougher all the time, but the horses are getting better. I really do. I believe the breedings and people are understanding how to ride them and, and, and train them and I've been spending a lot of time with Dakota Curtis Lager here here last last few years and we had a talk a few years back it was about 2014 um, 2015 and he, he he assured me and told me that I do ride like shit I don't ride very well I rope good but mm-hmm. I don't ride very well and so the last three or four years I've been working on that real real hard trying to become a better horseman better rider um, try to stay out of their horse, the horse's way as much as possible, because I got some really good horses, and if I let them work, they're amazing. So, what have you been working on in your riding? Um, <clears throat> my legs. Mm-hmm. Try to be softer with my left hand. Um, if if your horse doesn't move off your legs, you're gonna have a hard time because if you're always constantly pulling on your horse, his head's gonna be up. Mm-hmm. The horse has to at some point get his head down to be able to work and maneuver his body and so having a broke horse is I think the most important thing nowadays if the horse is not broke you're not going to be able to uh, it's going to be hard Mm -hmm. because the headers now they they reach long ways and the heel horse has to be able to close the gap and do some athletic stuff to be able to get up around the corner and then finish the run it's kind of cool now I feel like I'm becoming a student of the game I, I felt like I was, but, you know, I, I made the finals nine times, and I feel like I got lazy. I felt like I needed to start studying more about riding and horsemanship. And the working cow horse guys, Brad Ledd in particular, really impressed by how those guys ride and can get a three-year-old to do mm-hmm. some stuff that's unreal, you know. So if after them, them guys get done with them horses, you know, their six-year-old years or so, five-year-old years those horses are amazing to rope on 
super super easy to rope on so that's what I've been looking for is like working cow horse type type horse nowadays and you and I have a mutual friend in the Myers family mm-hmm. um, what have you learned from them about and when I say that in case anybody doesn't know we're talking the Myers mm-hmm. family of South mm-hmm. Dakota of Frenchman's mm-hmm. guy fame mm-hmm. what have you learned from them about horses well spending some time with Mr. Bill and Miss Deb and uh, Billy's um, a really good friend. They understand horses like it's a science. They know how to breed a stud to a mare and get a finished product that's going to be a successful anything you want it to do. You want it to be a, <laughs> uh, I mean, they're so fast mm-hmm. they can be, a, you know, they, they're so fast they can be racehorses if they really want to, but they're, they got them built perfect to do what we need to do as far as, you know, the barrel racers love the horses because they got some size, speed, they got brains. The heel horses, the, the, their size of horses are more for the head horses because as fast as they can run, as athletic, athletic as they are, as strong as they are, they make really good head horses. I got a little mare over there right now, one of my favorite heel horses that I've, that I've had. She's beautiful. Her name is Annie Oakley, and we got getting some smooth guy colts out of her, and um, I'm looking forward to the future. The next four or five years are going to be really exciting for me just to see the the what getting getting to spend time with Mr. Bill and and crossing the right horses is just I'm I'm just excited. Yeah, and Annie, um, we are I'm not sure when we're going to release this episode of the podcast, but our March issue, Annie has a big role in it as we've got a story on the top mares of all time, the greatest mares of all time, mm-hmm. and Annie Oakley is undoubtedly we couldn't write that story without her. And so, if anybody hasn't read the magazine yet, tell me about Annie, and she came through your Uncle George? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Annie Oakley's a funny story. She, um, my my friend, really good friend, and really great horse trainer that trains all of my Uncle George's young horses. Um, his name is Rick DeHawkis. He actually sells a lot of barrel horses, too, because he's really handy at getting them started the right way. Mm-hmm. He bought Annie at a horse sale. Um, she was a cute little thing. I think he got her for about 2500 which is pretty good for a yearling, you know, and, and brought her home. Got her going. She, she never bucked. Um, she was a little flighty, but real easy to start, real kind. And um, it wasn't but maybe, I think Rick, Rick spent about 60 days with her, mm-hmm. getting her really going. And, and then uh, George started roping on her real slow, the donkeys, real slow steers. And he told me about this mare, and he said, if you ever come across some money, I think you should buy this horse. I come home, I rode her a few times and fell in love with her. You know, she she could run like, she she was so fast. I've only rode a few horses that can run like that. And, and you know, she, she was super, super easy to, like I said, just rope mm-hmm. on for me. When she was four years old, her four-year-old year, you know, she was three, we roped on her a little bit. Four-year-old year, I jackpot on her and won jackpots, um, the Lasso del Sol roping, the Arizona Championships. I won that back then. They had a little Laughlin roping, Bullhead City roping. Won that on her, and she was just she's just a baby, you know. She's just a four year old, but she she could really really run and really stop. I rode her. I feel too hard. Um, mm-hmm. I I I, try, I needed. Well, she was all I had. You know, I had her and Johnny Ringo at the time, which I was blessed with two really great horses. But um, I was able to make a really great living on them. And but you know, both of them. Um, their legs, Johnny's knees, Annie's ankles—they they took a beating. And um, Annie, she was 
bone on bone on her ankle when she was about 12 years old and she would still work but she would limp out of the arena whenever I would get done roping on her and I felt like she didn't owe me nothing. Mm-hmm. She she was she was a good great mare and I felt like her babies would be worth more to me than riding her in the arena and making her, you know, do that kind of stuff. But um what I know now, I, I, I w- you know, if I get another one like her, be a little bit easier on her, you know, ride her a few, you know, get her going, but then turn them out. It's good to turn the babies out when they're three years old, turn them out for a month or, you know, let let, let their, their muscles heal, let their bones heal a little bit, and then kind of can bring them back up again. But get them some time off, I think, helps out the, the babies more than anything else. Hopefully you have a few more like her Looking coming from South Dakota. L- looking forward to it. <laughs> kid, kid from South, uh, you know, South Tucson. Meet some people in South Dakota and, and you know, fall in love with a girl in Montana. I I feel like I'm very blessed, you know, the the God's had a had a plan for me and sometimes even though I don't you know, don't seem like I take the right path, he he he's always there for me and makes me go follow the right path no matter what. So He's put um, some really cool people in your life that have very, very cool people. Forgiven that path or yeah. forgiven any wandering, that's awesome. Yeah, 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 for sure very blessed person I know that that's awesome well I have been very blessed to know you my friend thank you so much thank you so much Chelsea appreciate you having me awesome thank you you all right well everybody thank you for listening to this episode of the score I hope we get to do more episodes like this I absolutely love talking to Caesar I think he'll be back on the podcast he's he really enjoyed visiting and I think we can look forward to talking to him throughout the year so Thanks, everybody, for listening.